Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, dear listeners, and welcome to another intermittent episode of Friday Night Live, broadcasting live from the Quran al Karim radio station uh, studios in Fairfield, Sydney. Tonight's episode covers an integral part to all Muslims, that of following the tradition of our Prophet وسلم, when he said, seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave, and of course also the less authentic narration of seeking knowledge even if it is in China. The theoretical Muslim is an ever-evolving creature, always evolving, learning and growing as a human being and as a worshipper. And of course, in addition to the secular sciences, the pivotally important Islamic sciences as well. Living here as uh, satellite Muslims, we're still a young community finding its footing. So while we're achieving little successes in our community, like building mosques or having halal food, most of us still have to make a life-altering decision to travel overseas for years to gain Islamic education in, for example, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Syria, Yemen, etc., um, I mean, the closest uh, to us is the Islamic University of Malaysia. Um, which brings us, of course, to my guests here today, who have embarked on a mighty, ambitious initiative which broke new grounds for Muslims in Australia. It's Australia's first accredi- accredited Islamic studies course, and it's taught within a tertiary framework at Charles Sturt University. And its teachers and curriculum writers are Muslim scholars, not just general scholars including our own uh, Mufti, Dr. Ibrahim Abu Muhammad. And it's not government-funded, so that's, uh, that's amazing. That's not even a trifecta, that's uh, a four-fecta, whatever that's called. But um, enough of me talking. Uh, let me introduce you to my um, guests today. So I have with me first um, Sister Makiz Ansari, Director and uh, Student Administration Officer at uh, ISRA. Um, Sister Makiz, Salam alaikum. Alaikum as-salam. Thank you for this opportunity, brother. No worries. Thank you very much for coming. Uh, would you like to um, tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I am, as you mentioned, one of the directors at the Academy, Easter Academy, and I also look after all the student administration for the program that you just uh, introduced. Okay, that's great. And um, will you also be studying at um, Isra, or do you not trust their uh, abilities to... <laughs> And um, I'm also a master's student. Uh, I'd like to take on, embark this ambitious journey as well and go further into my academic ventures in Islamic studies, yes. Inshallah. And uh, we have with us also Brother Ahmed Hassan, who is a student at uh, ISRA, uh, amongst other things. So, um, Brother Ahmed, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself as well? Like, uh, assalamu alaikum salam. First... um, Again, thank you for uh, having us here and uh, giving us the opportunity to talk about this uh, uh, exciting initiative. Uh, I am a master's student, my first year, and uh, as well as that, I'm also involved with ISRA as uh, the secretary. And um, basically for me, this is our, my, first, uh, my first experience in studying uh, Islamic studies, so uh, I'm finding it quite uh, Exciting. Okay, that's good. Alhamdulillah. Um, how long has this uh, project been going for? This is our first uh, year uh, first in term year. of uh, lecturing and tutoring. Okay. But obviously a project like this doesn't happen in one year. So the preparation for it and uh, a lot of the groundwork was done by brothers and sisters has been going on for uh, quite a, a while. A decade. A decade. A decade, mashallah, mashallah. That's, uh, that's great so far. Okay, so... Um, Let's get into the um, the Islamic Studies program. Um, tell me in a minute 
what it's about. I mean, I mentioned that it's an Islamic studies program at Charles Sturt University. So, but w- what does it entail? How long is it? How is it structured? Okay. Well, I could perhaps start. Thanks, brothers. Um, it is a, it's a combination, a blend of your classics and contemporary Islamic studies within English context, within an Australian context. So that's pretty much what it is. And we can expand that a little bit further on. Um, how long it takes, I think it depends on the stream that the student takes over. For example, you've got undergraduate program yep. and you have a postgraduate stream. And um, it's in a part-time mode. So uh, probably at a part-time level at this stage, we're looking at four years part-time for bachelors mm-hmm. and uh, about two years part-time for a master's um, qualification. Right. So pending on depending on which stream you uh, take the course, that's the length of time it takes. But uh, yeah, it's an attempt of the classics and the contemporary okay. on Islamic studies. So uh, within an Australian context. Within our Australian yes, context. I'm going to ask you about that later on. Okay. Uh, inshallah. Okay. So um, the idea I have here is the the inception, the the initial you know spark that uh, somebody had of you know why don't we build an Islamic university. Or uh, you know, Islamic University uh, program uh, in Australia. Um, who first came up with it? How did it come about? And how did it materialize? As you mentioned, ten years. How did it materialize during this ten years? Sure. Um, well, the the works uh, to teach Islamic studies at a structured um, English means uh, through an English medium has been going on for over a decade, um, and. Uh, uh, some of the co-founders of the, uh, who are also part of the advisory committee had been preparing material over the course of this last 10 decades about different aspects of Islamic uh, studies uh, and in English. And the courses have been highly successful over the years. And uh, over time when, the, uh, f- uh, when this opportunity came with Charles State University, the partnership that came with Charles State University, the advisory committee, including, as you mentioned, the uh, Mufti, our current Mufti, uh, came together and they actually consulted the existing curriculums uh, nationally as well as internationally, especially internationally with Islamic studies, to see the kind of uh, uh, the content material out there. Uh, and then, according to as they saw, according to their knowledge base, what was best uh, to retrieve from that, they basically. Uh, Took, uh, they created and designed this uh, program. So the material of our current course, uh, course is a product of all of this consultation um, with existing material with the advisory committee, and they've produced this uh, degree that the, it's pretty fitting for this, uh, I mentioned again, Australian context, for those Muslims within our context, yep. uh, all in English primarily. All right, that's great. Um, and um, Okay, so my next question is about the nature of this um, of this course, um, when I say nature, I mean of course. Um, what are you putting into? Um, I guess as a priority, is it the tertiary nature of the course, or is it the religious nature? Is it Muslims that take it mostly, or is it non-Muslims as well who want to learn about Islam? Um, so, I mean, how are you presenting it, presenting it to the people? Sure. Well, a bit of probably all of that, in a sense that. Um, the program, the nature of the work is, uh, the focus is Islamic knowledge, but definitely at a, a university framework. So it's probably, like you mentioned again in your introduction, that it's the first time in Australia we have a program such as this that has got a structure that is at the standard of um, 
rigorous thinking and intellectual inquiry at an Australian university level. So with that framework in mind, with all the assessments designed with that kind of a framework in mind, the program in its content focuses primarily on all the core sciences of Islamic studies. Um, so all your fundamental core sciences of Islamic studies really uh, discussed in. And, um, and yeah, and the majority of our students so far uh, are from various uh, institutional background, educational background. I would say predominantly at this stage, uh, they're Muslims. We do have some non-Muslims uh, as well. But uh, factoring in the very recent inception of the program, it's been just this year, actually, uh, it's been primarily the Muslim audience has been really responding to something that has they perhaps have been waiting for a while mm. to have the design from their own trusted Muslim community members and scholars. So, How many students have you got so far for the first year? Well, to date, yeah. We've got about 109. Mm. 109, for this session. Yeah, I was expecting maybe 30 or 40. And um, yeah, what do you expect is um, the, um, the interest factor for non-Muslims um, to join this program? This question is for Ahmed. I think uh, this is quite an interesting question, especially for a Muslim to answer it. So I'm basically looking at it from a perspective of non-Muslim, which makes it <laughs> interesting. I think, as you know, there's a lot of uh, media hype about Islam, about Muslims, a lot of stereotyping, a lot of wrong impression and perceptions being painted by various groups, various people, some for particular agendas and others just go with the flow. So we find there's still within the uh, the community, the Australian community in general, and a specific group of people who are interested in, in religion, quite a heightened uh, interest into finding out wh what is Islam is about and uh, what is what is the truth about Islam. A lot of people are very, very intelligent and they know, and I'm not having a go at the media here, but they know what they hear on radio or they see on television or read in the newspaper is is, is going to be influenced to some extent by uh, editorial opinions and uh, other things. So they do come to us. They do ask questions. I mean, some of the other activities that we're involved in is is basically around uh, educating also the public, the, the non-Muslim public. So uh, an interest in the Islamic studies course from that perspective could be about finding out more about Islam and finding a lot more about Islam, getting into the details of Islam, which opens up an opportunity for uh, people who are interested in pursuing that type of career yeah. to, to study. So Islam. it's good then that you guys are offering this uh, sort of medium or this opportunity for them to uh, follow that Absolutely. course. Absolutely. Okay, that's great. Um, okay, so my next question is about sort of the, I guess, the ideology or the school of thought, um, ISRA and its parent company, Affinity. Um, they're sort of seen as more uh, Sufi, Turkish leanings. Um, and so, you know, that's what's perceived as well about the course and about ISRA's work. Mm -hmm. um, so... Um, but then again, I mean, your lectures are quite diverse. You have, you know, um, Turks, you have Egyptians, you have um, Lebanese, etc. So w what is um, the, um, I guess, the underlying ideology or the school of thought uh, of this um, program? Or does it have any at all? Well, as a student, I, I must say, I, I don't notice any particular, um, you know, Sufi tendencies or any other tendencies. I, I see it more as a... Uh, pretty much a scientific uh, and from an academic point of view. So uh, as, a, as a student, 
I, I don't I don't feel that we are being pulled in any particular direction or pushed away from any direction. We are given quite a lot of freedom, a lot of independence when we are preparing for some of our projects or our work to seek whatever knowledge we want and uh, work on uh, various uh, research material, various writers. And uh, I think we, you know, there could be that association, of course, there's no doubt about it, that Isra and Affinity are sister organization, they're they're not parent and child. But um, as far as the background, the students are very mixed, Um, as I mentioned, I'm from Lebanese background, and uh, a lot of our lecturers are not from Turkish background. So we we, li- we really leave this ethnic uh, background behind when we are studying together and we are researching and we are you know, attending lectures or we are having debates during tutorial. I don't I don't see any of that personally. Okay. And that yeah, just uh, also with that in terms of affinity, Israel. Uh, relationship. I mean, the ideology, like Brother Ahmed uh, was mentioning, is just like your uh, mainstream Islamic ideology. I mean, the advisory committee that came to propose this content was basically in that framework. So there's not a particular orientation that it's, yeah. you know, it's uh, in a school of thought, you're looking at majority Hanafi school of thought, but there's been comparison drawn from different schools of thought because that is what intellectual inquiry yeah. is all about. Okay. Uh, but in terms of its, its theological orienta- uh, orientation, it's also that, you know, uh, in that sort of a mainstream Ahl-Sunnah wal Jama position, because that's where it's coming from. But um, uh, affinity and Isra, uh, it's not a, it's Isra's, Isra is not perhaps a parent company of affinity, like uh, mentioned, it's a sister yeah, company. But we're not talking about affinity here. So. That's right. So <laughs> Isra, Isra is really an independent organization on its own merit, mm-hmm. with its own uh, research uh, focus. Okay. Definitely. No worries. Um, now, in your um, sort of an information package, you mention authentic Islamic learning and. Um, uh, Sister um, uh, McKees also mentioned that you're, um, you know, offering this uh, course in an Australian context, and now you just also mentioned another fluff word, which is mainstream. Now, this is what I really want to ask: when you say these words, do they actually have meaning, or are they just sort of marketing? What, what does it mean for authentic Islamic learning? What do you mean when you say Australian context? What's Australian about it? Uh, let's start with the Australian bit and then we'll go to the I thought so. I was going to take that pattern yeah. too. From what I'm understanding, what I mean by this and what we mean by Australian context is that um, Muslims in Australia have been here for uh, since perhaps may pr- predominant since the 70s, late 60s, 70s. Yeah. So if we reflect into the emerging community of the Muslims here in Australia, with different various backgrounds and ethnicities, we are coming to a unique identity formation. We have our, you know, heritages from whichever country we come, but we come with a unique Australian Muslim identity that is evolving over the few generations that we've been here living in Australia. So we have a particular sort of a contextual understanding of Islam in being a minority here in Australia. Um, and the common denominator that binds all our multilingual communities is English. And so by mainstream, uh, we mean that it's designed with with that context and it's a product of that very context we're talking about. So that some of the scholars from and academics from the advisory committee itself, they're actually brought up and educated here in Australia. 
with their you know uh, Islamic education backgrounds and their profiles which you know is available on on different publications but with that background they bring that uh, contextual understanding of Australian uh, customs and rules and so but forth and institutions um, there are those who would say that Islam doesn't change for different cultures or for different uh, needs so again you know when you're saying Australian context um, you know I'm very convinced by argument that it's it's the people that are teaching it but does that really change the 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 um the sources i mean the sources are still the quran and the sunnah and the ijma that's right i think i think that will take us perhaps to the second point you were alluding to early on in your question what do we mean by this classical contemporary understanding because uh, truly the of course the content matter of our this is where the blend of classics and contemporary come in because um as one of the academic advisory committee members mentioned the white book and the blue uh, yellow book i think it was really a good way of putting it through because uh, basically all our classical islamic knowledge in the various languages that we have available a lot in arabic and many other different languages to make it available to an english audience who perhaps do not have a root in those languages or proper grounding in those languages is what we're talking about. It's not a change in the, of naturally the content of uh, Islam, but it's in the delivery, the medium of delivery, which is in English, which makes it a bit unique. Um, and so this blend of contemporary, what uh, I understand by that, how I can unpack it in my mind, the contemporary and the uh, classic is that we're looking into key classical scholarships and key classical works in the Islamic history time from its time to date and also uh, drawing in the contemporary works of scholars currently in the 19th and 20th centuries Islam uh, across the different geographies and different fields yep. and so that kind of a blend all through one common denominator English is what gives it the kind of unique uh, position that I think uh, we mean by mm -hmm. the Australian context okay, that's great Hopefully that clarifies um, it. Inshallah. I mean, there are always <laughs> questions that follow up, but uh, I'm happy. Welcome, hopefully. I'm happy, alhamdulillah. Yeah. Um, just a reminder to our listeners that you can take part in this um, episode of Friday Night Live. Uh, you can either call us on 9724-3355 or you can comment on either the Facebook page or uh, the Twitter page. Um, and if you're listening to us, then you probably know what our Facebook page is. It's basically Al-Quran Al-Karim Radio Station. Um, so a question to uh, Brother Ahmed. Um, you also mentioned here that it's a, a university qualification. So a person, when he finishes, he gets a certificate, a diploma, a bachelor's or a master's or maybe even more in the future. When this person finishes his uh, bachelor's or master's and he wants to, for example, go to the Islamic University of Malaysia or to Saudi Arabia or to Al-Azhar to finish, would his qualifications be um, accredited there? Would they be accepted there? Or is it just not the same uh, accreditation system? Well, when you think about uh, the partnership we have with Charleston University and uh, the framework that we have to operate within and all the quality controls and all of the rules and processes and procedures that we have to follow, uh, it naturally comes that uh, this is a university course, this is a university degree, and it's well recognized. It's not um, something that uh, should, should be taken lightly. Now, as far as your question of, about whether this will be recognized in uh, overseas university, I would say, just like any other degree that you would do at Charles Sturt University or New South Wales Uni, or there will have to be certain rule as far as uh, what is recognized and what is not recognized. But uh, I can't see personally 
any any reason why a degree from Charleston University. But did you not take that in into account when you were developing the course that, you know, the person who's studying at Charleston University mm-hmm. upon finishing might want to finish in another university somewhere overseas? Of, of course we have taken it into account. And uh, the structure of the course and the subjects that are being taught are pretty much standard Islamic studies university uh, course. So I don't believe there's a reason why they should not be uh, recognized. I mean, I can't talk on behalf of university overseas, mm. of course, uh, but maybe Sister McKees can add to yeah, that. Yeah, just from the, some, the administrative that I've been sort mm. of engaged with over the uh, over the course of this series, that uh, uh, Charles State University is a very, it's a growing reputable internationally uh, um, uh, university and by that I mean it's got outreach you know sort of appeal and students uh, uh, from Canada to different parts of the world and so it's got quite a very strong international presence primarily because it's uh, it sort of advocates itself and runs on a correspondence and this is education which brings the use of technology uh, so much into the picture and uh, and so a lot of everything is done online effectively yeah and as a result of that, if a student does study with Charleston University, they would have uh, a quite a reasonable recognition uh, to quite a number of countries out there. Uh, and the list is that they actually say that they're probably one of those most reputable in their offering of uh, online services, internationally speaking. And they've got quite a strong international base. So when our students do that, we actually have an international student at the moment who's studying offshore they're not here in Australia. Where are they? Uh, they're from Singapore, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's actually based in Singapore. He's one of the students. And he came across the course and saw the flexibility in its online delivery and, mm. uh, you know, researched its content and what we're basically discussing tonight. And uh, he was convinced that this is something he would like to add on to his uh, knowledge base and perhaps his profile. And so he's now a trusted university, international, but based in Singapore. Okay, that's great. Um this question is for either of you. Um, the fact that there is an Islamic um, Islamic studies course, and if it is as it promises to be, uh, then it will save a lot of people from having to go overseas to learn their Islamic um, education. Um, so what does that mean for Muslims in Australia? Does that mean that we're not living here for a couple of years until we go back to Lebanon or Iraq or wherever? Uh, does it mean that... Uh, Australia has become our home. Is that part of our Islamic identity? Well, I'll I'll, I'll try to answer that question from uh, my point of view. Is that uh, I mean, for anyone to say Australia is not part of identity, our identity, or to say that we're only here as a transient population and we're going to move on, I think that's a bit unrealistic. I think we have to accept reality. We have to see the Muslim community. Uh, role in Australia as being a permanent role. We we don't see the, ourselves as being uh, coming to this country for a few years, then uh, go back into our uh, home country. I mean, that's a nice romantic thought to have. And I think a lot of the people who arrive in the country in the first few years, that's how they think. And that's that's normal. That's natural. But if you settle in and you develop a life, you grow, you you have families and children and so on, your roots becomes a lot stronger in this earth, and and you and and you flourish like a tree. You're not you're not going to just pull that tree out and go and plant it somewhere else. With all due respect to the tree, you guys <laughs> must have um, heard of the concept of uh, Darul Harb and Darul Islam. Hmm. 
um, how would you reconcile with a concept like that, which is seen by many Muslims as being integral to our identity as Muslims? Um, I mean, we are aware of that concept, and we, we are, uh, but we're also aware of the need that you must have some education in Australia for Muslims in Australia. And uh, to say we're not going to do or we're not going to have any initiatives like that because of uh, that reason alone, I think it's also wrong. Mm. I mean, we, we knowledge, seek. you started your interview by saying, you know, it's our duty to seek knowledge. So if it's our duty to seek knowledge, does it mean that we only seek knowledge in Dar al-Salna, Dar al-Harb, or uh, do we choose where we seek knowledge? I, I don't agree with that. I think we have to seek knowledge. We have to provide the... Uh, the, the opportunities to Muslims, wherever they are, the, uh, to, to give them the opportunity to learn, to learn about this great religion, this faith. It is our duty to learn. Okay. That's how I see it as a student. Do you uh, subscribe to the idea that Dar Ramadan has of the concepts of uh, Dar al-Harb and Dar al-Islam being outdated and of the new concept of Dar al-Hijra? Have you guys heard of this before? So well, the Darul Hujra, for example, is the example of the Muslims coming to Malaysia, settling in Malaysia and Indonesia, and turning you know all of Malaysian Indonesia now to Muslims. Um, so would this um, apply, I guess, in in this context as well? I personally uh, uh, see those concepts, and thanks for defining Tariq Ramadan's position there, as something uh, with a bit of a geopolitical. Uh, content to it. It's very geopolitical in its definition and its uh, concept. Um, to us, uh, an academic, rigorous, intellectual inquiry into Islamic studies is beyond uh, sociopolitical scope and definition. And so to engage with, uh, for example, personally, you said, what kind of you know, Muslim identity is this course really offering? It's, for me, it's like being brought up here in Australia for me, it's such a hopeful thing because here I've got a uni university education opportunity to study a faith that I'm very much uh, in love with and adhere to. And uh, that is not just uh, giving me a sort of a conventional sort of dichotomy of uh, geopolitical positions. Uh, because uh, to me, Islam is, uh, is broader and far more comprehensive than just a geopolitical demarcation constructed by uh, some scholarships, uh, whether it's contentious or outdated, I think I'm not yet in the position to talk about that. But as far as I can see it at my very elementary level into this program and my understanding of it, uh, Islam is far more deeper, far more broader. The core Islamic sciences that I was referring to earlier on is far more wider in its scope than what I would think the definitions of those two concepts of the Harbs would refer to. Okay. Um, thank you very much. That's a very good answer. I actually didn't know three of the words that you said, so I'll have to go back to dictionary. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, going back to the course, the curriculum, um, what sort of, um, you know, sources um, are, are your, um, you know, um, sort of directors of the curriculum uh, um, resorting to? Um, is it sort of books that are written now? Is it, for example, classical Islamic books? Um, how how are they sort of juggling between um, those two um, um, genres? Uh, I mean, <coughs> for this year, I mean, I'll talk about my experience in terms of some of the work that I have done as part of the course. I, I had to refer to both classical um, 
uh, writings, classical scholars, but also uh, look at what is uh, more contemporary. And I think, to me, that's that's important. It's it's a balance between the two. Sometimes, of course, you're not going to find uh, what you're looking for by looking at some of the contemporary uh, uh, scholars, and you'll find a lot more in terms of the classical. Uh, we, we've been, subhanAllah, gifted by the fact that we have a lot of scholars, and we have a lot of resources, and a lot of resources are now translated into English also, which makes yeah, yeah. life a lot easier for a student to study in, in Australia uh, in English. So th- there is no rules as to how you go about it, but some of the work is specifically targeted at the student to go and check both references. So, for example, if you're writing about science and Islam, you you could refer back to Al-Ghazali and you could refer back to some of the more modern scholars to and, and try to compare the two and see how this has been transformed. I've just yeah. given you an example to, it's very to see how... It's interesting that you mentioned Al-Ghazali in your first example mm. and maybe very telling. <laughs> we'll see, inshallah. I just like to give you guys some trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so this is a question that I asked you before we started recording, uh, Brother Ahmed, which is um, when you say, of course, authentic Islamic education, that means that after you finish the course, after you do your masters and everything, mm-hmm. you're going to have deep Islamic knowledge. So technically, theoretically, you could also be another epintamia of this age. Is this something that you've planned for? Is this something that is possible? I'll, I'll have to speak personally again. Um, it's not something that I planned for or thought for. But what I had in me, I had this desire to learn, to study about Islam. I didn't think about becoming a scholar when I started, when I took my first steps. And I'm still not thinking like that. I'm just taking it one step at a time. For me, the knowledge is so vast and it's becoming even vaster, I think, again, to a lot of the current uh, and contemporary writers who are uh, providing us with a lot of knowledge, I, I don't I don't see it for myself personally as being oh, I'm going to be the mufti of Australia one day. <laughs> no, that's not that's not why I'm doing it. I am doing it from the point of view that I feel it's my duty to learn about my uh, religion, and it's also about uh, doing it for the sake of basically getting rewards. To be honest with you, I feel it's it's necessary for me to do it. Um, if I learn and I'm, and I feel confident and I feel that uh, I can share some of my knowledge, then again, it's my duty to go out and uh, share some of the knowledge and help wherever I can help. It's not only about uh, learning and keeping the knowledge for myself. Yeah. But um, what about for those who do want this um, sort of education? I mean, do you provide such a structure for them as well? I think the structure is the same. Is The outcome is... Uh, is what you want from it. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of the colleagues that I have who are doing the course, yes, they are looking to be, for example, to teach. They, they've they set themselves the goal and the objective to teach. But not everyone has that goal. Yes, Other people do it because they are interested in the, in the Islamic sciences and the subject. But I, I on average, I, I think the majority of people are, are looking at it as a way to achieve certain qualification and also to use that qualification in a professional way. And this is why you guys sort of broke it down into certificate, diploma and and, uh, bachelor's. That's correct. I mean, we've got the two stream, the undergraduate stream and the graduate stream, and uh, you can take any you want. um, And uh, you can stop after a period of time and get a diploma, or you can continue if you want. 
Yeah. So that allowed the flexibility in okay. terms of the course. Yeah, yeah that's great. Um, yeah, sorry, yeah. sister. No, no, I was just yeah going to say some of the students' comments came to mind as Brother Ahmed was mentioning, and uh, some of the students like I'm doing this because a majority would be saying yeah to increase my knowledge, mm-hmm. uh, really uh, in a way that is a structured because they're used to that like, educational background with universities here in Australia, but there's others who are saying look you you know. Uh, perhaps not the majority, but those few are ones who would be saying, look, I would like to really pursue an academic pathway into Islamic inquiry. And uh, to that, yeah, there is the, the structure, like Brother Ahmed mentioned, is there to allow and facilitate those with that sort of appetite, intellectual appetite, to take it further. So yeah. there is a scope for further uh, uh, scholarship, yeah. uh, if that's your pursuit, if that's what your desire okay. is. Okay, There's one good. aspect also that uh, I've heard some students who have already got degrees in, uh, say, psychology yep. or in law or uh, myself. I've got a degree in commerce and I've got a major in management studies who like to combine the Islamic studies with that study also because they they can see sometimes some, some of the benefits of having that knowledge. And I think you find as uh, currently um, Islam is becoming a lot, you know, more out there. A lot of people are hearing about it. They hear about, for example, Islamic law. They hear about Islamic finances. So that also creates an opportunity for people to start learning that and combine it with some of the other secular type studies and then gain a broader knowledge which they can use, not necessarily in teaching, but it can also be used in other fields, like whether it's psychology, it could be used in business, it could Mm. be used in finance. So uh, Across the I think board, th- there are something. opportunities there too. Okay, mm-hmm. that's great. Um, another question going back to the um, uh, authentic Islamic education um, aspect of it. Um, again, we were talking about this before. When when I think of authentic Islamic education, I think of a, a sheikh and he's got a turban and he's sitting on the, the floor of the mosque and he's got you know, 30, 40 students and he speaks and they write. It's very, and sometimes they even write on pieces of bone because you know where there are there are, there is no paper. Um, so it's you know as as you can see there is sort of a um, back to basics aspect about it. There is a um, a very sort of an almost holy relationship between the student and the teacher. Um, you know the, the student has to go through hardship. The student um, establish a very strong relationship first with his um, you know with his teacher and also. With, with his co-students as well. That I, I even remember once in a uh, book about uh, seeking knowledge that um, the the uh, closest relationship that a man can have other than outside of his family is with his brothers that he's studying with because, you know, what they're discovering together is, uh, you know, beautiful things. Um, is this something that is offered or partly offered as well that mm. people can find in this course? It was interesting. Uh, as you were speaking, Brother Nasser, uh, we did a subject called Core Islamic Sciences uh, just last session. Mm. And there was a segment about the transmission of knowledge and how that gets transmitted back in the days, earlier times. It was very much like what you described, you know, and there was an oral tradition. You had, you know, the sheikh or the imam or the um, teacher at the front of the classroom and the classroom all on the floor and your traditional thing that really comes to mind as well. Um, There's a slight difference in the Australian uh, Istra Center uh, with the online technology. It's very much in tune with technology. We have a lecture theater 
um, in terms of how this knowledge is sort of transmitted. Um, and we've got chairs and, you know. So it's a university. It's a university <laughs> okay. set up, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But having said that, one thing unique is that although I was mentioning earlier on that Charleston University is really all correspondence and we have uh, students with distance, but one aspect, the organic aspect that Islamic, uh, over time, the knowledge of Islam has been transpa- transported is that active engagement and live engagement with knowledge. And I think as much as we facilitate those who cannot attend the courses and internationally or nationally or in different suburbs, that much we also put emphasis on partaking into the knowledge and coming to the lectures and engaging with and creating that rapport and that atmosphere. Um, Like we've had some fantastic discussions and tutorials because the format is you've got an an hour and a half of lecture. And then after that, you've got one hour of tutorial where yeah. you unpack the key ideas and concepts of that lecture and some of the readings, if you've done your readings. And so some of the times, and uh, it's just an amazing engagement, like what you mentioned that besides your family, you know, what is most sacred is the brotherhood that gets formed in classrooms. I think that culture of active engagement with knowledge, being an active agent and participant in knowledge that Islamic knowledge has inherently got, I think we want to keep that uh, authentically there and you know a lot of the students will say that uh, you know the for me personally I'm not sure if I can speak on your behalf as well tutorials uh, is the one of the key I, I look forward to tutorials because yeah. in its engagement with the teacher yeah. and definite engagement with all different perspectives from school uh, students themselves coming forward yeah, yeah um, absolutely I mean that's one of the key uh, uh, important factors of uh, the the course is the fact that it's uh, the tutorials are two ways. I mean, the students actually talk a lot more during the tutorials than uh, the lecturer or uh, the tutor, and uh, they do take some preparation, of course, and they do encourage people to research and, and come prepare, and then put their point of views. And um, to me, that's important part of learning. Because uh, you know you can sit in in a lecture theater listening for one and a half hours as a, a very lecture. passive agent. Yeah. yeah, but you don't get the chance to uh, ask many questions or to even you know debate some of the ideas that you are listening to or share some other knowledge. The fact that we we are allowed or we are given the opportunity to do the tutorial adds quite a bit of a, a an opportunity to learn more. The way I see it. So there's that but, sense of yeah. tradition in there. <laughs> there's another point that you touched on the brotherhood actually this is very important because um, although there's a hundred and plus students it doesn't feel that way you you have you you do have a quite a close relationship with the uh, the lecturers and the tutors and the other students and you become sort of a you know a family you are you are sharing knowledge you are uh, you have some common objective, whether it's preparing for a, uh, a major essay or you are preparing for a presentation or you are preparing for an exam. So it, it does create that, uh, that good Connection. feeling about it. Yeah. yeah, we're not sitting on the ground. We are sitting <laughs> on chairs. We are chairs. But alhamdulillah, the, the feeling and the, um, you know, the buzz you get from learning is there. And I guess that's probably what we mean by yeah. Australian context again. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so, you know, speaking of Australian context, um, I feel there might be an elephant in the room. Okay. Uh, this course, of course, mm-hmm. is mixed, is it not? Mm-hmm. All right. And so, you know, classical Islamic teaching d- is not mixed. Um, I, I know that of, for example, uh, women who have gotten ijazah 
in in Quran, for example, or something, and it's always either woman to woman or it's a woman's husband to her, uh, you know, or this, it's something like that. So, do you think that first of all, um, let's let's give it the benefit of the doubt and say that since you know we have very respected scholars teaching that this is you know it's professional, so there's nothing wrong with it. But do you think that this sort of takes away from the um, I guess the interaction? or the approach to learning in the course? I I personally think uh, not because uh, so far just reflecting over the uh, just uh, reflecting over the seating arrangement if you like um, and the level of engagement um, we're A, talking about students who have uh, basically been through a stu- a university already, like mature age students. Mm. So there's that factor to factor in. But just starting with the Quranic, for example, we have a, um, a language stream as well, an Arabic language. Yeah. It's one of the subjects offered this session. And uh, to keep, uh, to factor in that gender sensitivity, rather, um, about recitation and so forth, there is uh, the intermediate class completely gender separated. So even though it's a university program, there's that gender separation factored in. Uh, so females have their own female teacher and going through the you know structures of Tajweed rules and so forth. And the brothers have, all the males have their own uh, rooms and segregated sort of separated room. But the overall program, uh, you know, there's a natural, I think it's very natural with the Muslim culture and Muslim societies, irrespective of where they come from, that you naturally form your own sort of uh, uh, that's right. And yeah. so you see, you walk in a lecture theater. It is a mixed environment, yeah. but the gender separation is respected. And brothers yeah. would usually go on the uh, right or whichever way, depends on when you come in, side of mm-hmm. the room, and then the females over there. Okay. So there's this, uh, there's a mature level of interaction uh, with those respected uh, boundaries so there. I guess that was not an elephant. <laughs> no, it's not. Room. I don't think so. <laughs> these, these things. <coughs> They get developed naturally. Yeah. We, we don't set the rules. People who are attending the course, they just form themselves in such such way. Okay, okay, that's very good. Um, okay, so then let's say, for example, that I've gone in, um, I've done my bachelor's or my master's. Um, what would I get out of it in the end? Okay, let's say, for example, that... I, I want more than the reward of learning and the um, the knowledge that, that I gain and the insights that I gain. What if I want to work with this degree? What opportunities does this degree offer me locally in Sydney or even in Australia, uh, other than being a high school teacher for an Islamic school, for example? Well, if you want to choose to continue with your academic studies, <clears throat> of course you can, uh, and if you excelled in your uh, master's degree, nothing's stopping you from being sponsored as a PhD student. Okay. So you can pick a particular subject, and if you want to research it further, you can do that, and uh, you could do a PhD. Or if you just want to do research or write, you can also do that. Are you guys offering PhD uh, subjects now? Or? Uh, we're not offering PhD yet, but uh, of course, as uh, we, our vision is uh, is not to stop at uh, where we are now. Our vision is to is to have PhD students. For us, this is very important, and and the journey is. We are sort of in the beginning of it. We, 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 we've got to the masters this year, and then our plan is to continue. We're not going to stop. But just let me highlight something very important. Although we've been you know, working on this for 10 years, and this is our first year of delivering the studies, we have actually formed a quite a large Islamic study center 
in in Sydney in comparison to any other university. Okay, that's very good. And uh, the resources that we have, the material that we have, the number of students that we have, is a quite a significant. So uh, we we're not going to stop because we've already uh, we, we feel that we've achieved quite a good success. Alhamdulillah, of course, this is not because of us. But uh, why stop now? I mean, uh, for us, we, we, we will try to continue, inshallah. And uh, inshallah. at the end of the day, we do what we can and uh, see how it goes. Inshallah. Um, just a quick reminder to our listeners that if you did want to make a phone call and contribute or ask any questions, you can call us on um, our phone number 029724-3355 or you can comment on the uh, Facebook page or the Twitter page. Um, okay, so then comes my next question. Um, how do you qualify? For example, uh, I myself have a, um, I don't know what I have. I have a bachelor's and honors. I have an honors degree, uh, but not in anything uh, RT or, you know, uh, Arabic or Islamic. Um, would I be able to apply? And let's say, for example, that I don't have any degrees. I just sort of fix um, fridges my whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, how can I qualify? Well, you, you want to talk about the uh, sure. rules? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, there is a l- quite a, a strong level of um, uh, inquiries about that. Um, there's a set of criteria that uh, students need to meet. Um, there's, quite, there's a lot of flexibility. I mean, um, if you have, for example, a bachelor's degree in any discipline, you can effectively apply for a master's program or postgraduate program. But uh, if you, for, for example, minimum requirement is to be a year 12 graduate, having finished HSC, and uh, a particular benchmark is there, 65 UAI and above, possibly. Um, but uh, if, for example, you don't have those qualifications, you haven't finished HSC and so forth, um, there is room. They do factor in your work experience, life attainment, life achievements, uh, your resume, how long you've worked in a particular organization for and uh, your expression of interest. So uh, they really don't want, they want to accommodate all walks of life, especially if people are keen to take a new chapter in life and start studying. Um, While there's a lot of, you know, bachelor's and minimum year 12 requirements, but life attainment, work experience, they do consider it very seriously as well. Okay, that's great. Um, We have a caller, so we're just going to answer the phone. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum uh, assalam. Ma'am, who's calling? Uh, my name is Tamara Daki. Um, how are you, Sister Tamara? Assalamu alaikum. I'm well, alhamdulillah. Uh, thank you. Alaikum assalam. Uh, did you have a question for us or a contribution? Uh, I do have a contribution. I'm actually a current ISTRA student, and I believe that's what you're discussing tonight in your forum. Um, yes, actually. <laughs> yes. We are discussing that. Um, so tell us, please, about your experiences. Um, how long have you been a student? Was it for the whole year? Uh, I have been a student since the beginning of this year, um, so I started, I would have been in the first batch of students that started the course. Yep. Um, I mean, from my experience, it's been fantastic so far. I'm just entering the third session, the third trimester for this um, year. Yep, okay. And uh, how, how has it been so far? I mean, do you feel that it's um, sort of changed your attitude towards Islam or towards Islamic knowledge? Do you have an interest in furthering your studies? Oh, uh, certainly. I think that uh, probably the most important part of this course is the level of professionalism with which it's delivered and the content matter that's covered. Yep. Um, I found that it's a, it's a good mix between traditional Islamic sciences and also um, sort of contemporary subjects 
uh, such as Islam in the modern world dealing with contemporary issues. So for me personally um, and my background, I think it's very well suited. Um, I found it quite an interesting experience. I've learned a lot, but I've been very impressed with the level of professionalism and would highly recommend a course such as this. Okay. Jazakum Allah khairan. Thank you very much, Sister Matamana, for your um, contribution. Um, would you like to say anything else to people who are thinking of doing this course? Um, I think people who are doing this course, one of the biggest sort of apprehensions that I had was the work balance, life um, uh, balance. Uh, I think a lot of people who have full-time work may be a little bit worried about it. I work full-time and I've managed to take on the two subjects per semester. Uh, and I think they shouldn't be worried at all because it's very flexible and um, there's a lot of support offered and it fits in quite well with a full-time load. So I highly recommend it to everybody who has a little bit of time um, and who's interested in Islamic studies. Okay, that's good. That's a very glowing report. <laughs> I'm wondering if somebody paid you off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I have to say my experience has been fantastic. So I would love to share it with other students as well. And I think that enhances everybody's experience when you have a good caliber of students. All right, that's great. Uh, Sister Manager, and thank you very much for your call. You're welcome. Assalamualaikum. Alaikum salam. Right. Um, so it seems that your students uh, are very happy, and um, you know they're they're finding a lot of uh, benefit in it. So that's very good. Alhamdulillah. Tamana, just sorry, just an anecdote on her background. She comes from a law a law background. She's a practicing lawyer, and uh, she really enjoys the course. And when she heard about the interview this evening, she goes, "I would love to make a contribution." Okay. I said, "Tamana, let your Muslim community know how you feel." <laughs> okay. Alhamdulillah. That's very good. Um, no, I'm, it's always um, I, I feel very happy that there is. Um, you know, such a, a real opportunity here in Australia that you don't have to pay some seven thousand dollars, go to, to go Syria, yeah, yeah, get arrested, come back, get arrested. <laughs> you can get arrested here. Why do you want to go there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you can get arrested and study here. So it's uh, alhamdulillah, we're really you know becoming uh, homegrown Muslims here. Um, okay, so um, in terms of the um, qualifications, these are all the sort of qualifications that one needs to join the course. Sure, from any background, any student can join the course. And uh, whichever qualification they have or whichever workplaces they work at, mm. they can take this as an added supplementary uh, course because it's so relevant in today's context. Yeah. Um, and who are the, um, the lecturers? I mean, how many, for example, lecturers do you have teaching you? Um, and are there any sort of um, issues with languages? Because, for example, I know that uh, Dr. Ibrahim Mohammed is uh, one of the teachers. So any, I know that his English is not um, sort of fluent enough for him to be, you know, lecturing for hours. So how do you deal with that um, challenge? Uh, sure. Like um, Dr. Ibrahim is also part of the advisory committee. And um, uh, from memory, if my maths serves me right here, about five or six advisory committee have uh, worked together to build this curriculum. Yeah. And so... Uh, uh, perhaps with some of them, as you mentioned, English may have been a challenge. But, uh, uh, mashallah, because we have we are blessed with such a level of scholarship, especially from Dr. Ibrahim. Uh, in this case, uh, you know, there's always Alhamdulillah people available to translate. So we've resorted to translating uh, their knowledge into PowerPoints, and then there's a whole work behind that. So much work goes on in preparation. Uh, of these materials. So, for example, one of our, we've had some guest lecturers last session in core Islamic sciences, and they came from different uh, 
language backgrounds and uh, not all of them were very fluent uh, and therefore they had good English but we have to support that with uh, a good translations of PowerPoint so they will be translated those guest lecturers mm-hmm. would have their materials translated and then they will deliver their lectures according to okay, that so um, there are no hurdles or hiccups in the delivery of materials no so far it hasn't been because we have as I mentioned this going back mm-hmm. to the Australian context we have the English medium in mind because that's the common denominator okay. that every student can directly access to yeah. the only hiccup uh, when we have uh, such an important uh, person with lots of knowledge lecturing is the amount of question and the time limits because students have such a deep a interest they, yeah. w- they want to know more so we find sometimes we struggle to fit the lecture in the time allocated they but go the material time. is there <laughs> people can go back to it one important aspect that did uh, he mention McKees is that we actually record all of our lectures So all the material that uh, we get uh, taught in terms of the lectures is available online. And uh, someone can't uh, attend the lecture because they're working full-time or they've got other things. They can quite easily get access through the Charles Sturt uh, University interact. Uh, resources, interact, mm-hmm. and then they can download that and listen to it. And I myself, because I work full-time also, I had to travel overseas sometimes during lectures, and I found it quite a... Uh, a you know, easy way to stay in touch and not fall behind in terms of uh, my studies. That's very good. That's and very that's good. how one of, uh, mm-hmm. I mentioned, the Singaporean students, that's and right. some okay. students, they're actually interstate from Melbourne and Tasmania mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. forth. And that's the medium you mentioned that they, on a weekly basis, they download lectures. So effectively, they listen to a, a, an hour and a half of lectures mm-hmm. as they go through the PowerPoints that week. Yeah. I mean, of course, that doesn't replace yeah. the face-to-face and the opportunity to attend a tutorial, but it also yeah, helps. It is possible to yeah. complete it that way. Okay, that's mm. great. Okay, so um, when is your next um, semester or next uh, trimester, is it? Uh, when is your next trimester starting and how can people ask questions about it? Sure. Well, it's starting as of, it started last week, the 12th of November, session three. Um, the enrollments for that has closed, but in terms of uh, intakes, new intakes for 2012, we're open, we're taking enrollments, and we have actually a very interesting, uh, we have got a very good information um, session organized to further discuss pretty much all, most of the, what we've discussed tonight on the Sunday, the 27th of November. Yeah. It's from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at our center in Isra, and we're based in Auburn. And uh, uh, if there is anyone uh, from uh, the community interested or needing to know f- uh, more uh, information, uh, we would uh, warmly welcome them to att- register themselves. We have seating arrangements. There are limits to the seating arrangements, and there is, mashallah, an overwhelming interest. So if they could register themselves uh, for the 27th of November, uh, Sunday, 6 to 8 p.m., uh, they, would, they can come and ask far more questions and learn more about the process of enrollment for 2012. Okay, so that's uh, 27th of November. Isn't that the Sounds of Light concert or is that 27th December? Uh, Sounds of Light, I think it's 16th of December. Is it? Oh, yeah, okay. it's in December. No, it, it doesn't coincide. <laughs> Fortunately, <laughs> right, we no. did factor in that in mind. It, we Not to inconvenience. Okay, no worries at all. And what about a phone number or website if people want it? I mean, for example, people want to register. Do they call or do they sure. go to the website? I think both they could do. Uh, if they could call on... Nine six four nine nine That's Isra number. I, I'll just repeat that. Nine six four nine nine Alternatively, they could go and visit our website www.isra.org.au. 
Yep. So that's isra. dot org. dot au. dot org. dot au. Or the phone number nine six four double nine oh four oh, or nine six four nine nine zero four zero. Yeah, yours, your, your way was much easier. <laughs> okay, so now unfortunately we come to the end of our show. Um, I would first of all like to thank um, our uh, guests, uh, Sister Makiz Ansari and uh, Brother Ahmed Hassan, for coming in and for uh, providing us with information and putting up with my constant grilling of them. <laughs> so Jazakum Allah Khairan. I think the work that you do is is incredible. It's historic. Uh, and it's it's uh, a great stepping stone in the um, you know in the history of uh, the Muslim community in Australia. A hundred years from now, your names will be set in stone somewhere. Inshallah, may that be also in the divine record by mm-hmm. Allah and with His pleasure. And uh, thank you very much for the support and the opportunity. We too, like Brother Ahmed said, are so excited about this. Um, inshallah, it's a, a learning experience at the deepest level for us, and we need the community's doors. Inshallah. Inshallah. Um, brother Ahmed also Shukran and uh, thank you very much and again Jazakallah Khairan and uh, we, we we really appreciate the opportunity to come out here and share uh, this uh, knowledge and also the experience that we we are having with the course Jazakallah Khairan and uh, to my listeners thank you very much for listening and for contributing um, we uh, I actually had a, um, a poll on Facebook uh, that asks Islamic education in Australia, is it practical or not? And I gave, gave a few options. So, you know, if you're listening, um, go to the poll and, and put in your opinion. Um, otherwise, um, you've heard the website, isra.org.au or the number 9649-9040. Uh, that's uh, for Sunday, the 27th of November, 6 to 8 p.m. at um, the ISRA um, Center in Auburn. Center in Auburn, inshallah. Jazakumullah khairan. That's the end of our show. Uh, and now we leave you with the news. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.